Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. So tonight, I was asked to speak, um, you know, just the, Stephen called me up uh, last night and asked if I had a word, and I was like, you know what, I, I do. Um, the Lord's just been kind of uh, speaking to me and kind of building a message. Um, I wasn't really sure when I was going to share it, and I was given the opportunity tonight. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to talk about foundations. And uh, the Lord just, the Lord's kind of been teaching me a lot about this subject and um, about, about, well, 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 we'll get into it. Just kind of what, what a good foundation is, how you build a good foundation, and just um, different things that the Lord's kind of um, spoken to me about that. Um, before we dig in, though, let's, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we're just so thankful for your word. God, that you would speak to us. God, that you would give us ears to hear what you want to say this evening. Speak, God. Speak. Amen. Amen. Cool. So we are going to look at the story of Joseph uh, this evening, which is going to be found in Genesis 37, um, and uh, it kind of picks back up. It skips over 38 and picks back up in 39. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's where we're going to be tonight. And, and like I say, the Lord um, really has been just, uh, just speaking to me over the last, I don't know, month or so, about this um, about this topic, and he started using the the story of Joseph to do that in in Kaleo, what we're doing right now, um, which I think is I think it's pretty cool and it's a pretty fun um, it, it's fun for me and I, it's really fun for me to see the students engaging in what we're doing. Um, what what we've done, I don't know, maybe the last month or a little bit more. Um, We've been taking Bible stories, starting at the very beginning in Genesis, and just kind of hitting these highlight um, stories, and who knows how long it's going to take us, but our goal is to work all the way through, and that could be a really long time, but you know what? It's, uh, it's been really, really good so far, and what I really love, especially about it, is uh, I'm sending out... Um, three, four chapters or so a week to the students, and they're reading these stories, and they're reading they're reading the word at home, you know, which is awesome. Not just here, they're not just getting the word here, but they're getting it at home, which is really my vision is that that these students would get the word in their room, at home with their families. You know, some some uh, I've heard. Uh, reports that some people are uh, are doing it as a family, which I think is awesome. That the family is is opening up the word and reading it together. Um, you know, that's just that's incredible to me. And so, uh, 
So I don't know, a couple, couple few weeks ago, um, we, we went through the story of Joseph, and uh, I didn't really get to share with Kaleo everything that, that, the Lord, <coughs> that the Lord was speaking to me about that, so I get to do that tonight. But, uh, you know, he was just, just especially with this story, um, I mean, he just said so much. I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure a lot of you have had this, uh, this type of experience where you've heard a story thousands of times you've read the you've read the passage multiple times um but it for whatever reason like you you read it again and there's something new there's something new there's something fresh and and you know I really I try to pray that especially with with this series that we're doing with uh with what we're doing in Kaleo because a lot of these these you know highlight reel type stories can become wrote and they can become, you know, very uh, religious for lack of better words. They can be just something that we kind of skim over and, and, you know, we, uh, we, we've read it before, we've heard it before, we've grown up in church, we've seen the veggie tales on it and, you know, that's, you know, we, we, we can tell you the story um, backwards and forwards, but, but the Lord says, I have something fresh. In, in here, if you if you dig in, there's some there's there's this treasure that you can uncover if you really dig in to what this story is saying and not just skip over it. Um, so so the Lord really did that with me um, a little while back, and so again, it's all about foundation tonight. So let's look at Joseph. We're not going to read because that's there's a lot to read, but you can read on your own. In fact, I encourage it. We're uh, so in in Genesis 37, we see the start of the story of Joseph. Joseph is introduced in Genesis 37, and it talks about Joseph um, being Jacob's favorite son, and because he's Jacob's favorite son, he gets this coat, and this coat has multiple colors. It has all kinds of colors on it. In fact, I learned something in the footnotes of my Bible that it might not actually be a colorful coat, but it could possibly be a coat with long sleeves. So there's a little trivia fact for you. It doesn't really have anything to do with the message, but there's a trivia. It might be a coat of, with long sleeves, or it could be a colorful coat with long sleeves. Who knows? I don't, you know, but there you go. That's, that's just for you. So, um, so Jacob gives Joseph this coat, and it's, and, and it's to show that Joseph is his favorite. And Joseph's brothers love that his, he's his father's favorite. No, he doesn't. They don't. They, he, they despise him because he is the father's favorite. They really do not like Joseph because he is, he's, he's the father's favorite. In fact, I think he's what you might call, if, if, if there was like a teacher-student scenario, Joseph would be like the teacher's pet, because there's actually an instance in here where like Joseph is tattletaling on his brothers. Like he goes out in the field, and I don't know, the brothers were doing something wrong, and so Joseph comes back to Jacob, and he like, it says he gave a bad report. You know, like he, he tattletailed on his brothers, and so like that really didn't help. You know, that kindled the, the fire. You know, like they, so they they really don't like him even more. And then Joseph starts having dreams, and he has these dreams where where they were binding um, the the wheat in the field, and and all like Joseph's uh, Joseph's like sheath or whatever 
is uh, standing in the middle, and all his brothers were, sta- were all around him bowing down, right? And that's, that's the, the one dream. And then uh, there, was, there was another dream where it's, you know, the stars and the sun and the moon and, and uh, you know, b- two dreams in essence saying, hey, brothers you, and family, you guys are all going to bow down to me. Isn't that awesome? And his brothers were like, yeah, man, that's so cool. But they weren't like that at all. They hated him even more. So, like, there's even more hatred being, like, kindled onto Joseph, right? Just like this, this fire of hatred is just being kindled and fanned more and more, right? And so, uh, so one day, Joseph comes out alone with his brothers, and they hatch a plan. And they say, hey, let's kill this dude. That was their plan. And, uh, and so Reuben says, no, let's not do that. Let's throw him in a pit. He was trying to save Joseph. And they said, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's throw him in this pit. So they threw him in a pit. And then they said, you know what? Let's make money off of Joseph. Let's not just kill him. Like We, we can actually like stand and make a little cash off of this guy. So let's do that. And so they sold him to these uh, slave traders uh, that, that just happened to be going by. Well, if I was Joseph, there'd be plenty of things going through my head. And I mean, on a serious note, like, <laughs> I mean, that I would be, I don't know, confused. Like, what, what is going on right now? These, these are my brothers. What is, what is, is this a joke? Like, you can untie me now, you know? Like, hey, this is, all right, this is getting a little bit too far. And as they go farther and farther away, like, just the emotion that, that Joseph has to feel, the emotion that would be so easy uh, for, for Joseph to feel that starts with, like, confusion. And then there's this, like, mix of, like, sorrow and anger of, like, I may not see my family ever again. And there's like this mourning process that I'm sure had to have been going through uh, with, with, with Joseph. But then there's also this anger, like, how could my own brothers do this to me until he gets all the way to Egypt and he's sold to, uh, to Potiphar and he's in Potiphar's house. And Joseph does so well there. In fact, it doesn't, it's not that Joseph does so well. I have this highlighted. I thought it was pretty awesome. It said that his master, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed. So it wasn't Joseph necessarily. It wasn't really Joseph that was succeeding. It wasn't Joseph's like mind or, or work ethic or anything like that, although there was probably some of that involved. But the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord caused everything that Joseph did to succeed until Joseph was made second in command in Potiphar's house. And it even says that Potiphar didn't even have to think about any. The only decision Potiphar had to make when he was, when, as the head of the household, the only decision that Potiphar had to make was what he wanted to eat that day. Like that's, that's literally like that's, that's what the Bible says. That's all. So Joseph was in charge of everything. And Potiphar trusted Joseph so much. And Potiphar noticed that the Lord's favor was on Joseph to the point where everything that he did succeeded. And so Potiphar let him have control of the house. Until... There happened to be a day, and um, I told uh, I told Kaleo that I really identified with with Joseph, um, because uh, 
In verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. <laughs> so I, I told Kaleo that I really identified with him in that verse especially. Um, but uh, <laughs> either way, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And Potiphar's wife took notice. And she tried her best to get him to hold her hand. <laughs> but he wouldn't do it. <laughs> Until one day she falsely accuses him of a very serious crime. And so Potiphar has him thrown in prison. And so, I mean, what you see in this story is not only Joseph getting accused of something that he didn't do, but you see him be, he's, he's thrown in prison for actually doing the right thing, for fearing the Lord, for knowing what was right and wrong and actually fleeing the scene for resisting evil. And you would think, wouldn't, shouldn't Joseph be rewarded for that type of behavior? But instead, he's thrown in prison for that behavior. He's falsely accused. But that doesn't hold him down. Because even in prison, the Lord was with him. And he had favor with the Lord. And the Lord caused everything that he did to succeed. To the point where the keeper of the prison, the warden, noticed and put Joseph second in command. And put him in charge of everything. If the prisoners needed anything, Joseph was the guy to go to. I just think that's interesting. That kind of roller coaster that, that Joseph goes through throughout his life. And then while he's in prison, he meets these two, two, two guys, right? Baker and the cupbearer. And they have dreams. And Joseph interprets the dreams. And he says, cupbearer, you are going to be restored. Back to your position. You're going to get your old job. You're going to get out of prison. You're going to get your old job. Baker, it's not such a happy ending for you. You are actually going to get killed. And so that's ends up, that's what happens. And he says, Cupbearer, listen, when you when you get out of prison, you're going to be like you're you're going to have Pharaoh's ear. You're going to be right there with Pharaoh. Put in a good word for me so I can get out of here. And I'm sure the cupbearer's like, Yeah, man, absolutely. Like you did this awesome thing for me, for sure. But he doesn't do it. And so Joseph sits in prison for two more years. Two more years on top of whatever he, however long he had been in prison for something that he didn't do. And not just something that he didn't do, for actually doing the right thing. How much room is there in Joseph's life for bitterness? For depression? For anger? I mean, how much room is there 
for all of these different emotions and feelings? How much room is there in Joseph's life from being hated by your family to the point where you're sold into slavery? being accused of something that you didn't do, for being accused of something that you knew you did the right thing, that you knew it was honorable in God's eyes, and you still go to prison. And now you're stuck in prison because this guy doesn't remember the great thing that you did for him. How much room is there for that bitterness and offense, and anger, and depression, and all of those nasty things to creep in to your life. I mean, how did he do it? Like, how, how, did, Joseph, how did Joseph remain steadfast in the midst of all of that? And I have to believe it's because he had a solid foundation from the start. That from the beginning, in chapter 37, when he, when he gets these dreams, he believes God. When he gets these dreams that says, your family is actually going to bow down to you, you are going to be someone great, he believed God. And he didn't believe what his family told him. He didn't believe the logical explanation that he's the youngest, that he's the, this is never actually going to happen. This was nothing more than a dream, and you should get over it. He didn't believe any of that. He believed God. And because he believed God, because he relied on God, and because he had such a solid foundation of God's word versus everyone else, and I'm going to stand on God's word more than, I'm, more than I believe all the situations around me. I'm, I believe God's word. I believe God's voice in my life. I believe what he says about me much more than what everybody else and what the situations around me say about me, I believe God's word about me. Because he believed that and because he stood on that, he wasn't shaken. His, his foundation was solid. So, I recently, um, I recently had a uh, kind of a horror story when it comes to uh, the construction business that I just, I thought was pretty appropriate for uh, for this for this message, so um, we were we were building a deck. Actually, we we were hired to rebuild a deck. Okay, this couple hired someone to build this deck for them, and this guy obviously didn't know anything about building something that was going to last. So they hire this guy to build a deck, and it's pretty big. It's, it's like 14 feet across and, and 16 feet deep. It's, it's not, not necessarily a small deck. It's, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty, <coughs> pretty big, but it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's just a square. You know, it's, it's pretty, pretty easy to build. You just got to know at least a little bit of what you're doing. Well, long story short, 
three days after the guy leaves, they decide to test the, the thing, and they put a kiddie pool on the deck that was going to be for their grandchildren, and they filled it up with water, and about 3 a.m. that night, they heard this big whoosh. The deck completely collapsed. <laughs> I mean, completely like it was on the ground. Completely collapsed. Thank God that it was an empty kiddie pool. <laughs> and there was no one on that thing, especially his grandchildren. But I get there, me and, and my little crew that I'm working with, uh, we, we get there and we start inspecting and see what was, what was wrong with this thing. So normally what you have, when you, when you have a deck and you, you fasten it to the, to the house, you actually like bolt this thing through bolts with 5 8 inch diameter carriage bolts into the foundation of the house, like all the way through. Like somebody has to go in the crawl space and there's one person in the crawl space, you know, like tightening the nut on the bolt and, uh, and, and there's, there's 5 8 inch diameter like every four feet. There should, be, there should be something like that every four feet, and that is supposed to secure the deck to the, the house. That is supposed to give it its strength, right? This guy has two-inch decking screws <laughs> that are doing nothing but going into the siding. Okay, it's not, it's not even hitting, it's not hitting wood, it's not hitting, like, it's not hitting anything, it's going into the siding, all right, and that's, that's what's holding it to the house, I'm like, that is, what, how did he, how did it stand for that long, you know, and, and so, and then, and then he's got, uh, so you're supposed to, you're supposed to also have posts, you're supposed to have, um, like, like, girders, or you're supposed to have supports, you know, every every so often in this deck in, in order to make it really solid. You're supposed to have these supports. We put a support every eight feet, something like that, for a two by eight. Two by eight, we put it every every six to eight feet a support that is that is going to give this thing strength, that it is going to that it's going to to, to lean on, and that's the load bearing support. That's for a two by eight. He uses a two by six and puts no support <laughs> the entire length all the way down through there, 16, 16 plus feet all the way <laughs> across. And I'm thinking, how did, it, how did it stand for that long? Like there's, there's no way. There's no possible way. Then we realize by, by the outside corner post that he had that it's like a foot out of square. Like, that's crazy to me. But anyway, all of that to say, I learned a lot about structural support and how important structural support is, especially when you're building a deck. And the Lord has taught me a lot about structural support in your life. And how important structural support is that you can't get just get by with little screws into the siding. And you can't just get by with undersized lumber that has zero support all the way through. Like you, you, can't, you can't just get by. And I'm sure at the, end of, at the end of the project, the deck looked good. If you just stood back and looked at it, it looked fine. But when you actually put some, some pressure on it, when you actually tested the support, it did nothing. It did absolutely 
nothing. And so I learned that your foundation might look good to other people. That your foundation, people might say that this guy's solid. This guy's, this guy's good. This lady right here, she's got it going on. This is a good, solid foundation. But when there's actually some kind of test, you collapse. It's important to have real integrity in your foundation. And so, what makes a good foundation? What makes, in order to know what makes a good foundation, I have to know what makes a weak foundation. And when you think about what makes a weak foundation, like there's different things that come to mind. When I think about, I mean, you think about a foundation, like what, what a foundation in your life, what a foundation does. I mean, obviously, like I can tell you about, about the foundation of a house and how that, how that should be solid and how uh, just the other week we, we, had to, we had to literally saw up someone's slab floor because it cracked and it shifted and that foundation wasn't good. But that doesn't necessarily tell us about our foundation in our life and what that really should look like and why that like what what really makes a foundation like that's a good term and that's something that that I really feel like you know might be thrown around a lot in church but we really have to understand what a foundation is and what I really feel like a foundation is in our life is the thing that we lean on when things go wrong when the thing that we lean on during the storm the thing that the thing that we go back to when things go bad in our life. And so when you think about a bad foundation, something that someone might lean on that's not solid, something that someone might lean on that they shouldn't lean on when things go bad, you know, there's obvious answers that come up. That people might go drinking when things go bad. That things, people might turn to drugs when things go bad. That they, they want to escape reality when things go bad. So they turn to those types of things. And yes, obviously those are bad foundations. And you don't want to have that as the thing that you choose to lean on when things go bad. But there's also things that look good, that have the appearance of being a good foundation that are not. There's things that people around you will tell you is a good foundation and is solid and something that you should lean on but it's not actually good. It's not actually a good, solid foundation. And some of, the, some of those things might include your friends or your family. Some of those things might include your pastors or your church. Because that's not a solid foundation. That sounds like a good thing to lean on when things are going bad. That, that, that sounds like a good thing that you can fall back on. I should be able to fall back on my family when times get hard. I should be able to fall back on my friends when times get hard. I should be able to fall back on my church or my pastor when things get hard, when life goes bad, when stuff hits me. But that's not a solid foundation. Because there's only one solid foundation, 
and that's Jesus. And so your family is not Jesus. Your friends are not Jesus. Your pastor, this is being recorded, now look at the camera, is not Jesus. (laughs) The church, this church, although I am so happy and thankful for this church, but it's not Jesus. And if it's not Jesus, it's not solid. If it's not Jesus, it can fail. And so what the Lord taught me through, through that, just kind of thinking about this, this whole topic of, of these good things that aren't actually a solid foundation, is that those things are tools that you can use to build on that foundation. I should be able to use the church to build on that solid foundation. I should be able to use my family to build on that solid foundation. Well, some of my family to build on that solid foundation. I should be able to use my pastor to build on that solid foundation. And that's a good tool to have, but that is not the foundation. That's a good tool to have, but that in itself is not the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. In fact, specifically, I think the promises, the word of God is the foundation. You know, Jesus says that heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my words will never pass away. God's word will never pass away. The Bible talks about shaking things, shaking things. He's going to shake anything that can be shaken. If it can be shaken, he is going to shake it until there's only one thing that remains. And he's going to test and see what is actually going to remain. And you know what's going to remain? The promises of God, the word of God. That's what's going to remain. Because his promises are yes and they're amen. That his, he sends out his word to accomplish a purpose in Isaiah 55. He sends out the, a word just like the rains that come down from heaven. It accomplishes a purpose on the earth. So I'm sending out my word and it's not going to return void. It is going to, it's going to accomplish what it's sent out to do. So his promises, his word, it's yes and it's amen. And I see that with Joseph that at the end of the story, spoiler alert, He's he's raised up to the second in command in Egypt and his whole family comes down and they bow down before him because they're in need and he he has the answer. So that comes to fruition in, in Joseph's life. And I see all of that, like I see that, that whole theme all throughout Joseph's life of this bad thing happens, this hardship happens, and Joseph is unwavered. He's He's steadfast. The Bible uses the verbiage, maybe not in this particular story, but it uses the verbiage of of setting your face like flint. That I'm going to stand firm in Ephesians 6. I'm going to stand firm with that armor of God on. Not on my own, 
but I'm going to stand firm on the promises of God. I'm going to stand firm on the word of God. I'm not going to stand firm on what anyone else says. I'm not, even if it sounds good, even if it sounds like it's, it should be good, if it's not God, it's not good. And if it's not God, if it's not solid. And so if it's not God, I'm not going to stand on that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to choose that thing to be a reliable foundation for, for me to build my life on. So Jesus also talks about, he tells a parable, a pretty famous parable, about a wise man and a foolish man. And he says, a wise man, he's going to build his house on the rock so that when the rains start falling down and the wind blows against it and the storm rages, that house is going to be, it's going to stand firm because it's on a solid foundation. But the foolish man is going to build his house on the sand. And when the rains start falling and the winds start beating against the house, the storm rages, that house doesn't stand a chance. And the Lord taught me something that I've never really thought about before in this famous parable. He said, number one, you're constantly building your foundation. You're constantly building your foundation. Whether you realize it or not, you're constantly building your foundation. But if you don't realize that you're building your foundation, then your foundation is more than likely on the sand. Because you do not build a solid foundation by accident. You don't build a solid foundation by accident. You only build a solid foundation on purpose when you're purposeful about what you're doing. So if you don't realize what you're doing, if you don't realize, if you don't have it in your mind that today I'm going to go out and I'm going to stand on the promises of God. If I'm not thinking about that, if, I'm, if that's not on the forefront of my mind, then I'm more than likely building on the sand. I'm more than likely building a weak foundation. Because really, how you're building that foundation is whatever you're allowing yourself to process, whatever you're allowing yourself, whatever you're allowing to enter in and process in your heart. Whatever you're allowing to speak to you, that is what is going to be built. That, that is going to become part of your foundation. Whatever you're allowing to come in, that's what you're building on. So if you're not purposeful about what you're allowing in, if you're not purposeful, I mean, if you're not purposeful about what you're watching, if you're not purposeful about the people that you're allowing to speak into your life, if you're not purposeful about the different things that you see either on TV, out in the streets, at the store, whatever, if you're not purposeful about all of that stuff, more than likely you're building a weak foundation. 
You're allowing the enemy to sneak those things into your life so that when the rains come, when the storm hits, that's what you have to lean on. But if you're purposeful, if you, if you wake up in the morning and you have that thought in your mind that today, Lord, I'm building my foundation. I'm building a strong foundation. Today, God, I'm going, you, you speak to me, Lord, because that's what I'm listening to. I'm going to listen for your voice in my life. If that's what you are purposeful about doing, if that's what you're purposeful about processing in your, in your life, that's what you're going to build your foundation on. That is what your foundation is going to be laid on if, if you are purposeful because, again, you do not build a solid foundation by accident. And the second thing, you do not build a foundation in the storm. I know all about that. I have to, I have to choose my, my job sometimes based on the weather patterns, right? If, if I know that I'm going to be outside, if I'm building, let's say I'm building that deck. If I'm building that deck, I can't build that deck and it be raining outside, that's, that's not good. That's, that's just, I, you, you just, you just can't do it. I have to choose. Hopefully, I have an indoor job when, when the rains come or else I'm just not working. So when that rain comes and that storm hits, that's when your foundation is tested. That's not when your foundation is built. That's when your foundation is tested. You can't build your foundation in the storm. When I say, when I say the storm, when I say, when I talk about the storm, I'm not really talking about a bad day. Although that kind of tests your foundation sometimes too, just kind of a, a rough day. But really, when I talk about a storm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, talking about when your boss calls you up, calls you in and says, sorry, we just can't afford to keep you on the payroll. What's your response in that moment? What's your response? When you get a bad report from the doctor, he says the says you have that C word. What's your response in that moment? Because that's a storm. When a loved one unexpectedly passes. What's your response? Because that's a storm. And again, when that happens, nobody knows when that's going to happen. Nobody knows when that, any of that stuff is going to take place. We need to be fit building our foundation now. Because nobody knows when that's going to happen. And if and when that day comes... When that storm hits, 
You can't build your foundation then. Your foundation's already built. But you're going to find out if it's strong or not. And let me just tell you, this right here is a good tool to build your foundation, but this isn't your foundation. Sunday morning is a good tool to build your foundation, but it's not your foundation. Our worship team is awesome. You guys do a great job. But that's not, that's not our foundation. It's a great tool. And I'm so thankful for it. But that's not our foundation. You know where your foundation's built? At your home. In your room. When you're alone. When no one's watching. When it's just you and God. That's when your foundation's built. So tonight I just want to challenge us to be purposeful. To be purposeful about building our foundation. The thing that we rely on, the thing that we fall back on, the thing that we, when everything else goes wrong, I have this to stand on. What is that thing? I pray for sober judgment for us all, myself included. That I would have sober judgment and that we would have sober judgment to really know right now, what is that thing that we fall back on? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it our pastor? Is it something else? Is it some other kind of vice? Is it the Lord? Because there's only one solid foundation. So, Father, I pray for that foundation. God, I pray that this would be a church that is built on your word. And not just East Side Church, but the members, the, the individuals in this room, the individuals of East Side Church, that we would have a solid foundation, that we would have a foundation that is built on your word and your promises, that we would want to seek you before anything else, that that. We would seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And we wouldn't seek first the things all around us. We would be conscious of what we're allowing to penetrate our ears and penetrate our eyes. And we would be conscious of the things that we're allowing to speak in our hearts. That we would be conscious of those things. So that we can be a people that when that storm comes, when that rain falls, when the wind blows, we're not shaken. We're not shaken. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. 
If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.